0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello,
1: hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey podcast network i'm your host nick Burleski, and joined as always by nick Horwat. as we are here to break down last night's game five between the pittsburgh penguins and the new york rangers plenty to discuss when it comes to the out the, the, the downfall or whatever the how about every part of
0: the game every part every of the part. game
1: every From part the of the opening game
0: opening 20 seconds all the way till the final minute Uh, there was there wasn't a dull moment that couldn't be talked about in this uh, matchup and uh, is a lot of Pittsburgh pissed off and rightfully so
1: yes so we'll get into all of that for sure and then of course we'll go forward and preview game six which will be on Friday evening at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh and then of course finish it off with shout outs and call outs which might also still correlate with this specific series. so I've how had long, mine for a while, actually. So my Shadows and calls have nothing to do with the series. Fair enough. One of mine does. One okay. of mine does. But we'll get to that at the end of the show. Yeah. Let's start with this game. Let's not cut straight to the chase. Let, let's talk about it in chronological order because yeah. it's probably the, the easiest way to do it. And chronologically, the first thing that happened was a five-on-three for the Pittsburgh Penguins, <laughs> a full two-minute long Five on three less than 60 seconds into the game and the penguins not only weren't able to convert and get a goal but they looked horrific Mm -hmm. in that five on three power play Mm -hmm.
0: i'm not gonna say that that five on three set the tone for the rest of the game but part of it was ended up being a factor in the entire game and you that early on you're trying to gain your momentum Mm-hmm. Um, you lost it right away, and I'm not not so much saying that you gave it to the crowd at MSG because there were points in that game where it was you could hear a pin drop in there. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that by not scoring on the five on three you gave the crowd the momentum, you gave the team the momentum. It's that you just killed your own uh, want and urge for a fast start against a goalie like Shosturkin who's mm-hmm. coming back to his home ice. Like I said, I don't think the 5-on-3 drove the outcome of the game because it really ended up being a non-factor after a little bit. But that's not ideal to not score on a situation like that that early when you're trying to get a
1: jump. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because the reason that if you're a Penguins fan or you're a Penguins backer that you wanted to see them score there is because it would have immediately taken the crowd out of it it would have immediately put doubts in Igor Shesterkin's mind that, oh, it wasn't just playing in Pittsburgh. I really don't have it this playoffs. And because you would have already, of course, gotten out to a lead that early, even though there's a lot of time left, it would have put some doubt into the minds of the New York Rangers. And it just didn't do that. If anything, it gave them a little bit of momentum there. But what I thought was interesting, like you mentioned, it didn't really change the outcome of the game. Yes. The Penguins lost by technically one goal, plus an empty netter. And, and Adding a goal there, simple math, does make it four to four. But at the same time, you don't know how the rest of the game plays out when it's that early that something like this happened. And also, I think what the Penguins were able to do, even though they gave a little bit of momentum back to the Rangers by not scoring, they took the life right out of the building the rest of the first period by doing the same thing they did in Pittsburgh. They suffocated the neutral zone. They forced everything to the outside in the defensive zone. Louis Domingue, again, barely had any work in the first period. And then the Penguins took the lead off of Jake Gensel's bounce off of Shesterkin's pads. And after one period, it was one to nothing Penguins. And that entire building was deflated.
0: Yeah, it was. It The vibes going into MSG that night apparently already weren't the greatest going into the game. Which, what? How? You were definitely still the better team. Let's just tell it like it is. You're, you have the better goalie. You have... You had the much better record all season. I would still say the Rangers had the better team, per se. They were just getting outplayed, which happens mm-hmm. all of the time. Ask the Penguins. We have the better team nine times out of ten, and we get outplayed like nobody's business. Yeah. I think I do, I do stand by it. the Rangers probably are the better team, but at this point in the series, I think it's it should still be very well in the Penguins' hands. Um, That's just something that can't happen. You can't lose like, lose a game when the crowd wasn't – super into it from the start they had to the rangers had to fall back on techniques from 2013 and 2014 to get the vibes up you know how long ago that was that was before the pens went back to back that was those seasons we were talking about the penguins as being just a god-awful team or at least in 15 we did that Mm -hmm. like they brought back their intro of of that who song they they we're using clips of the time the Rangers came back three to one against us. They're looking to the past to try. They're looking far into the past to try and elevate their present. Whereas that that's just not the right mindset for a Rangers team like this. That is calling it in. If I was to go to a Penguin game right now and they were showing aside from lifting the cup, if they were showing clips from the uh, 16 and 17 runs I don't know how I'd feel about it because look at the <laughs> rosters from those teams. Yeah.
1: Just a compilation of Henrik Lundqvist losing his mind being pulled from the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I looked at the rosters for the 14 and whatever it had to be the 15 year. They came back. No 14. They came back three to one.
1: Yeah. 15, um, they, 15. They smoked 15, us in five games. 15 was
0: bad. The only players from both teams on the 14 year that are still here are Crosby, Malkin and, uh, uh Latang. i almost said mm-hmm. Crosby, Malkin and Latang, Chris Kreider, And Brian Boyle, who was on the Rangers that year, yeah. So that is just a non-option for Rangers fans to use as a way to get excited for your game. Sure, it's the franchise thing. I get it. And the and Penguins historians love saying it was this date that is because what's Friday is going to be is this date that the Penguins uh, defeated the Rangers in six at home when Adam Graves decided to try and kill Evgeny or uh, Mario Lemieux. Yeah. And, but guess what? You can't look at that as a reason they're going to win.
1: No. You have to look not. at
0: what is on the ice right now. So the Rangers are digging into the past to get themselves ant. Sure, it's a, it's a tactic.
1: It's fan service.
0: But that's all it is. It's fan service. And we let the fan service take over.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it wasn't so much in the first period that it happened,
1: but at the end of the second. See, the fan service doesn't have an effect on the game. So I, I don't think about anything like that. Like I, I shot out a tweet. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Your show in 2014 clips. Don't forget the one where Alec Martinez ended your entire hopes and dreams in the Stanley yeah. Cup finals. But it, that's to, to me, that has no output, no impact on the game itself. I think the biggest impact on the game, and we'll get to it, was, was Jacob Truba's elbow. But uh, before we get to that, I do want to say one other thing because something else happened. Obviously, Evgeny Malkin over to Chris Tang. Beautiful pass. To make it two to nothing there but Jake Gensel in this game scored two more goals that makes seven in five games in this series I believe he is the only player other than Mario Lemieux and I believe it was Kevin Stevens of course to score uh to score in the first six games I, I think the record was nine by Lemieux but I think it's like Lemieux has nine seven and six uh, nine seven and seven and is the most in a row in the playoffs, but I believe Gensel has the most ever to begin a playoffs, which is six straight games with a goal. So unbelievable performance from him so far in the postseason. Uh, Milkshake Factory was going at it with a single Rangers fan in my mentions just because I tagged him once and was like, man, their overhead has to be getting crushed because every other day they're giving half off Jake Shakes. And you know for a fact that they are selling a whole bunch of them. But, I mean, nonetheless, their, their shakes are so overpriced anyway, they're still probably making a profit on it. But uh, nonetheless, Gensel's performance has been nothing short of spectacular. Obviously, it, it helped a lot when he was with Sidney Crosby and the way that Crosby was playing and that whole line was working. But even in this game, Gensel gets that goal on basically his own volition by just being relentless with three shots on net and a beautiful angle shot off the pads of Shostakhin. And then a great play by Evgeny Malkin, and Gensel does not make a mistake, and that was to tie it back up at three late in the second period. So Jake Gensel and his performance, if they're going to do anything without Sidney Crosby, which we'll discuss here in a couple minutes, it, it's going to be because Jake Gensel continues his, his torrid pace throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: It will be. It will be. Uh, it's All eyes are going to fall to him for sure because he's on this scoring streak, which, can't, which we all know isn't going to last forever, but by God, it has to last a little bit longer.
1: One more game would be preferable
0: bare minimum at least oh it's it's I don't want to say it's not fun times right now but it just kind of it feels a little ominous I mean we're recording this as we're waiting on Mike Sullivan to have an early press conference mm-hmm. um, we're gonna get to the bread and butter of why he's having an early press conference soon yeah and just going into game five I felt more confident in us winning back at home in six than I did winning last night in five I don't know why just something about that PPG Paints Arena crowd was so into it for two phenomenal games where we chased Igor Shasturk, where we chased the probable Vesna winner. And I th- got my hopes up a little bit going into game five when I heard that fans didn't seem super into it, that they were um, reverting back to 2014 tactics, that they needed a quite a bump to get the fans into it. And then we, and then I got even more confident whenever we went up 2 0. and there was about half the game left and then kaput, right. Mm-hmm. But again, so now my confidence will be regained tomorrow. I just kind of need the, re- I just need a reprieve today, man. It, t-
1: it takes a while to whenever you take a loss like that, including the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins lost Sidney Crosby, and we'll get into that. Now yeah. it is a deflating feeling because you had such a stranglehold, not only on the series, But on that game as well, the Pens were up 2 to nothing at this time. There was about seven minutes remaining in the second period. The Rangers had nothing going. The Penguins defensively were shutting it down like they did in the two games in Pittsburgh. And then it happens. Sidney Crosby tries to cut towards the middle of the eight, tries to drive towards the net. And all of a sudden, a stick from Truba comes in as he's coming at him pretty pretty fast. You know he was trying to take the body, which you can't blame him. That's probably the only way you're going to get Sid off the puck is if you try to take the body on him. But instead of hitting him square and hitting him legally, he hit him with an elbow in the head, which causes Sid to have what is believed to be a concussion right now. The official word as of this moment is an upper body injury still being evaluated. That's what head coach Mike Sullivan said at the end of the game, but there was clear head contact. You saw the way he reacted when he got back over to the bench. So he was clearly held out due to, probably concussion protocol and we don't know the extent of the injury we'll find that out like you mentioned here in about 15 minutes and we'll have live reactions on this show so we'll we'll have a reaction before we we wrap up today
0: yeah it's not exciting it's not exciting Th- did you see the image which we did by the way <laughs> of uh is it the one Lee walking solemnly yeah. by himself? oh no i had so many intrusive thoughts when that when i saw that image um, well
1: on the bright side it does mean they don't think they need somebody to help him with his balance that's fair. I mean, it was an
0: elevated plane he was walking on, um, but yeah.
1: I, Listen, Richard Raquel would not have been able to make that walk by himself after Game One. No, and
0: that's another. That's where he was at, and that's another piece that's going into this whole to this whole uh, series. Is the especially in Game Five? I noticed it. I said to myself before the Crosby injury that the Rangers look like they're hitting high and. The Truba elbow in the first 20 seconds. I was like, and it looks like they're throwing, mm-hmm. it, for whatever reason. It's. I remember also thinking, like the second if we go up two nothing, make sure Crosby's not on the ice with Reeves for a single second.
1: Here's the thing, though. Ryan Reeves has never been, like to my to my knowledge, Ryan Reeves has never been blatantly dirty. Whereas Jacob Truba, we've seen a couple instances, and in, and I believe. I wish I remembered who it was, but somebody went down through and posted every single borderline hit from Trouba. And some of them were clean. Some of them, like the Jujar Kara hit earlier this season for the Blackhawks, was about the same thing. You see that little chicken wing come out. You see the elbow extend right before contact, which is where that becomes illegal. And you saw the same thing on Wednesday evening where when you look at that still frame, I know a still frame is not the best way to judge any of these hits, but that still frame does show the elbow so far away from Truba's body directly contacting with Crosby's face and nothing else. To me, it is similar to when you see a player skating by missing on the body check, but sticking his knee out. Right. It might be a reaction. It might not be intentional, but it's still dirty. It should have been called in the moment, but it wasn't. But nonetheless, it is something that right now has Sidney Crosby's status in doubt for the entire near future, uh, specifically in game six.
0: Yeah. And and you, you mentioned that sticking the knee out. Oh, you mean the play that killed Igor Shosturkin? Yeah. You, you, you mean the sticking the knee out on Jeff Carter, whenever you are well aware you have far more padding than he does. He's yeah. skating toward the boards, you're skating out. And then you're the one that lies there for 20 minutes dead. honestly, Nice. Now that I see where we're going to record a bit here, uh, yes, man, am I ready to go heel mode on the Rangers because I'm over this team. It's we're five games in, I shouldn't be over this team. The way we handled them, make going up three to one, Mm -hmm. I should be singing their praises of being a god awful franchise that has been carried by a goalie. But no, here we are because they want to
1: throw elbows and play like assholes. Well, here's the thing about all of that, and I saw some. More level headed Rangers fans push back on this, and I appreciate the ones that actually can yes. have a civil conversation. Which there's Penguins fans that can't have a civil conversation about this no. either. No. But you do, under I do understand that yes, the stick of Truba incidentally hits the leg of Crosby, which makes him lower his body, which is why the contact was to the head. But my issue is that elbow shouldn't be coming out at all like that elbow is what made the contact with his head, it should not be coming out like that. And I, I did jokingly tag uh one of my friends on on twitter who is a doctor and he gave me the medical term for it that I should look up for it cuz i was like oh this little twitch here he should consult a physician he should see what's going on with that and of course like very quickly uh my buddy ryan said uh serratus anterior injury equals winged scapula or scapula i don't i'm not a, i'm not a doctor but like that's uh, jokingly, but that's my issue with it. That elbow should have never came out and it should have never made contact with Crosby's head. I understand the only reason Crosby was in that position was because Truba's stick tripped him. But again, that's another penalty. That's yeah. tripping. A- a- and my biggest issue though, is always going to be that that elbow came out. And that I understand it wasn't called at the end of the day. It wasn't called whatever it didn't. It It vastly changed the structure of the game. Cause Crosby wasn't there. But at the end of the day, it is a single loss, and we'll talk about the rest of the game, but it is a single loss. You have to move on. If you have to play without your captain, you do. I still think the Penguins are the better team in this series right now. I think they're more than capable of ending this on Friday night, but at the same exact time, that is a hit that could severely change the trajectory of this team in this postseason, and it was a dirty play by Truba, whether or not it was intentional.
0: It was. It it doesn't help. Okay, fine. Maybe he didn't try and hurt him. Well, why were you throwing elbows? Because guess what? You did it earlier in the game. Yeah. We literally we have receipts of this game, not even old games, not even all old teams, and you were with the Jets. I saw that clip too. Not even those. Hmm. Earlier in the game, 20 seconds into the game, we have a literal receipt of you already throwing elbows. How like I'm not gonna say this is on NHL officiating. I'm not, but it is definitely on Jacob Truby here for having a receipt of an elbow earlier in the same exact contest against a line mate of the one you just took out
1: yeah the second most important player to the series for the penguins
0: yeah so don't give me that it's a clean hit or that it's an unfortunate hit It is because an elbow came out you do not throw you he got penalized for it earlier if anything the referee should have been watching a little more for an elbow from jacob Shuba. Because he already had done it, and like I said, it looked like the Rangers were going up high on a lot of hits. Um, that's just don't give me that. It's not a that's not a dirty hit. I already see this clown in New York on who has a radio show in New York. Um, Sean, uh, yeah, that's his name. I company stuff. I didn't want <clears throat> to dig, dig deeper. Um, mm-hmm. I just. What are you talking at first of all? Every tweet of his is getting ratioed and it's hysterical because yeah. I don't think he knows what ratioed means, judging by his interactions with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't say that it's a clean hit when
1: clearly it's not. I'm just gonna well, leave it at that. Listen, and the, at the end of the day, Twitter discourse is Twitter discourse, it doesn't really make a difference in anything. People are gonna have their opinions. If you're from New York and you're a diehard Rangers fan, you're gonna think that's clean. That's the, that's the bar non factor. I'm not gonna argue with New York fans when they're clearly, you know, biased in this situation. It's the same thing on our side. There there might be a little bit inherent bias there, but in my opinion, it, it, it was. And you can take that for what it is. And honestly, it's not even like I'm alone. You're alone. It's not like it's just fans saying this. Here's a clip of Mike Sullivan after the game when asked if he thought that the hit was intended to injure Sidney Crosby. Did you see the hit? You probably have the same opinion I do. Mike Sullivan's pretty blunt whenever he's not happy. We saw it back in Calgary and somebody asked, hey, is there anything you could take out of this game that was positive? He said, no. And they said, do you want to elaborate on that? He said, no. When he's short like that, that's how you know he's upset. He's not John Cooper who's going to go out here and say something stupid and blatantly, uh, you know, idiotic. He's going to say, listen, this is what I feel. And uh, I don't need to elaborate on it because you know how I feel by saying three words. He thought it was dirty. I'm pretty sure... Anybody that watches the way that the elbow hit Crosby in the head from how far away it was from his body, it's different if he hits the shoulder and then the elbow comes up, which is still a little borderline, but it's borderline. When the elbow is out like a chicken wing, it's dirty, and that's the end of the story for me.
0: It, you're right. And the story can now continue since uh, uh 10 minutes ahead of schedule, we have updates from. Uh... mike sullivan already yes i got you a text while the uh first sullivan clip was playing just saying we have updates or at least quotes uh because it's gonna be a bunch of probably nothing we have to remember this uh because there is no significant update on Sidney crosby uh from mike sullivan sid will be evaluated when he gets back to pittsburgh so they're still in new york doing this love Mm -hmm. it and then uh when he was asked about you know if the head injury um Oh, wait. Or if it do, uh, warrants discipline, the Truba hit warrants discipline, we have. It's not my responsibility to share my opinion. That's yeah. the league's job. Bunch of nothing. He also went on to say Raquel and Dewan are status quo. So,
1: yeah. So, again, not, nothing really happening. And now the fact that they're back in New York just tells me that they wanted to get this at 9 30 because they have travel plans a little bit later.
0: Yeah. And I'm just going to try and keep reading Twitter in case anything else pops in. For the next update I'm kind of waiting for is Tristan
1: Jari. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that whenever it pops up, but at the end of the day, I think we should lay this discourse about yeah. Truba to rest. We both believe that it, it, it was a dirty hit, whether it be intentional or not the placement of the elbow that far away from the body in the same way that it, it is like a knee. When you see somebody missing a hit and sticking their knee out, it might be reactionary, but it's dirty nonetheless. And it, in, in this case, when you have the prior receipts from Truba in this very game, it, it seems like intent to injure. But again, Like Sullivan, it's not our place to to take down uh, punishment and to hand down punishment to Jacob Truba officially. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about a couple other players for the Penguins in this game. Let's start with Louis Domingue. I thought he played horrifically. I think early in the game, you saw the same thing that you saw on game three and in game four, which is why there's people in Pittsburgh saying, hey, it's his net. He's the hot hand because the defense was able to shelter him and he was able to make the saves and that's fine. He's an NHL goaltender. Even if he's an AHL goaltender, he should be able to make the saves whenever there's nobody in front of him, when there's no deflections coming, and he's done a really good job at rebound control. I will give him that. That's the big thing. He's been able to swallow up, not allow big rebounds. But late after the Crosby injury, four straight goals. Uh, Sorry, three straight goals, and then a fourth one at the start of the third period. At least three of those, you need a save. But at the same time, just make one of them. Like every single goal was a, go- a-, a game, a-, a shot that he should have been able to save. You would have liked to at least get one of them. You got none. And then after the fourth goal, he finally did make a save. But at that point, it's too little too late. Your 2 nothing lead became a 4-3 deficit that you couldn't come back from. Yeah, no, uh, man. This is kind of what we expected. That... I don't know why I'm
0: like, I'm not super surprised that this happened. It is our third string goalie who spent most of the year in the AHL. That's a different league. Yeah. Sure, he has NHL caliber potential, but I mean he's the third string guy. He was brought in to be the third string goalie. Um, and he didn't have the ice time this year to really get comfortable in the net. And then you tack on a just a driving New York Rangers team. You have to make stops. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's Four goals in the game that he's yeah. for, and he gave up four of the five goals again. So it's the issue of outscoring our problems is gonna persist, it looks like. Yeah, and we can do it, we just need certain players to find the back of the net. Ideally, one of them being Crosby, but we don't know what's going on there. So <laughs> this is gonna be a problem if Jari's not healthy. But judging by the skating and the taking NHL shots, he should be back soon. And I mean, sure, maybe our confidence picks up a little and we get a couple more saves, but it's still the Rangers. We still saw the way the Rangers took care of Jari earlier this season. Mm. I think we need to just find a way to get that one more win and preferably do it
1: on Friday. Here's the thing with Louis Domingue. We've been playing with our third-string We I hate when I say that. The Penguins have been playing with their third-string goaltender from the second overtime of game one. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that it bit them in the ass to the point where it cost them a game. Yep. Because it didn't cost them game number two. It didn't. The Penguins cost themselves game number two, meaning not Louis Domingue. Louis Domingue cost the Pittsburgh Penguins this game, along with, of course, Crosby being out, but you could still make those saves and it doesn't, the game doesn't end that way. So that one's on Louis Domingue. And I hope the people that are crazily going out there and saying that it's his net because he's the hot hand. Finally, starting to actually look at the numbers there. I don't hate Louis Domingue. I know it's coming off like I dislike the guy. He's done everything for the Pittsburgh Penguins that he possibly can, and he's done a great job. Like I said, his rebound control has been phenomenal, but I also am able to recognize that he is nothing without the fact that this Penguins team, forwards and defense core, are doing a great job at insulating him in his own zone, and that's what they're going to need to do to take game number six at home because even though he's he's half-decent, Like you mentioned on yesterday's show with Hunter and Zach, he's making those saves with two hands up against his blocker. He's flailing around a little bit more. He's unsteady. He doesn't have a base and it's working, but it's not sustainable. And if the Penguins can get out of this round, you bet your ass that the second Tristan Jari is ready, he will be in there and you will notice a massive difference in just one period of having Tristan Jari. I think that's the issue. People have been watching it for so long that they're believing it's the best case scenario, that they don't remember how good Tristan Jari was at the regular season and what it's like to have a goaltender like that. Because it's not like the Rangers have had one either. They might have won game five, but Igor Shosturkin, to me, is still lost. That's a second career playoff win. Like, it's he's not in this, really. Not only that, people are saying, well, he made the saves that he needed. He was not tested in that game at all. The Penguins did not put any pressure on that goaltender, and they still scored three goals. Yeah, The three best chances they had all went into the back of the net. He is not back. And to think that he's going to be able to do it in Pittsburgh, he might. Listen, he's he's going to win the Vezina Trophy. He has that ability. He has that, you know, not charisma, but he has that in him. He could come out and steal game six. But all indications are that he is not back. He is not... Confident in his ability, he was still – it looks like he has Vaseline on the inside of his pads because he is sliding way out of position whenever he tries to freeze a puck. So both goaltenders in this series have not been solid. Neither of them have stolen a game. The closest thing to it was Igor Shostakov in game one, and he has not been that same goaltender for the past four games. And he lost that game. Exactly. 79
0: 79 saves. Congratulations. L. L, you went down 0-1.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like – He's a great goalie. Sure. He's behind in the series. Yep. Losses. Else, so, Take it. So the goaltending is, is a non-factor on both sides right now. I mean, it is a factor, but I don't see any of those goaltenders stealing game six. If anybody, I do think it's Igor, but he hasn't shown the ability in the last four games of this series. And he's never played well uh, in an away game in the playoffs. Yeah. Small sample size. But yes,
0: you're right. Never. It's 0%. I don't care about sample size because Louis Domingue is a small sample size. True. And his stable size is bigger so far. Or there's yeah. percentages, sorry. His percentages are bigger so far. Yeah. Not so much in statistics, but in terms of getting victories and playing well in front of PBG Paints crowds.
1: Yeah. The last thing I want to mention about this game, and we won't stick on this too long, uh, the Penguins need Evgeny Malkin to get his head out of his ass. Um, I, I've sworn a lot in this, this episode. I should probably pull it back on that. But nonetheless, it, it warrants it when Evgeny Malkin does the stuff that he did in the third period there. Without Sidney Crosby, the Pittsburgh Penguins need Evgeny Malkin to be, at the very least, not an idiot. And that's what he was in the third period. I understand the one scuffle. He was clotheslined. He was tackled. He was grabbed by Ryan Lindgren across the face and pulled down. He's going to react to that. I don't don't want him to sit there and just take that sort of abuse. So I get it. But to a certain extent, that needs to be reined in. You need to push the guy off and get him back on the score sheet. I know that's harder said than done, so I'm not really going to get on him about that. But the Kevin Rooney play with seven minutes left in the game, that can't happen. You cannot take that penalty with seven minutes left in a game where you're trailing by one, and whether or not he's played well, that's Igor Shostakovich, that's the Vezina Trophy winner. Crosby is out. You need to not only be on the ice and available, you cannot be taking a penalty to put your team behind the eight ball shorthanded with only seven minutes left in a in a game where you could – potentially end the series and get your captain the rest he needs before the next time you get out on the ice to me that was one of the most boneheaded things I've seen from Malkin he's done a lot of them we saw it earlier in the season when he got suspended for four games he needs to be smarter than that I cannot stress that enough he cannot be that boneheaded, he cannot go red miss like that, especially when Crosby's out. Now, I don't want to say he had a awful game because two absolutely beautiful assists. The one to Latang that made it 2-0 and the one to Gensel that tied it up at three. That's what you need from him, but you cannot get it with the other side of it. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You can't get both if Crosby's not there. It's easier when Crosby is there because he can make up for it because he is Sydney freaking Crosby. But without Crosby, Malkin cannot have that evil half come out and take stupid penalties that cost him. Because it did cost him in Game 5. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it
0: did. It's,
1: man. Kenny Malkin conversation. We're back. Welcome it's, back. It's not It's not even that stupid. He's not good. He's bad for the... It's just he needs to be smarter about that. He's, yeah. still, he's still the second best player on this team and in this franchise. And he still deserves to be brought back. Like, I'm not going that far, but he can't do stuff like what he did with Kevin Rooney and take that penalty.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That I just, it's just this conversation that has been ha- being had so often recently, especially because it's a contract year and we're getting down the line and everyone's talking about the, oh, this could be the last run with the core. And you're right. It very well could be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but he, you're, I think I'm just going to, I'm thinking I'm just echoing your statements here that he can't yeah. be stupid. He can't be dumb. He has to play smarter, more than just penalties. He just, the giveaways need to go down. The smart play on the ice during during the game needs to go down. He needs to just be a bit more of the old wise veteran that at this point in his career he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked a little while ago, too, about um, some of the faster players on this team. And I don't say – I still don't think Malkin is fast. But, boy, it would be nice to see a little speed from him, especially now if it's going to be him centering that top line. I mean, it's things are going to get tricky if we really are down Crosby here and have to go with Malkin because, sure, we've seen Malkin take over uh, with Crosby out before. Um, This is a different Malkin, though, I think. I don't think we're going to get that – if this is how it has to go, I don't see us getting that same level uh, of Evgeny Malkin when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't know what it is anymore. I just. I don't know. if Maybe the vibes are off on on, on Malkin, but. Um, I don't see that same world eater coming out if we're, forcing forced to go with him. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. Um, I'm just saying it's not going to be that same level.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to see. I'm looking for more updates from that press conference. It looks like there's not much else coming out, especially about Tristan Jari as of yet. Um, Yeah. Nonetheless, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to look forward to Friday's game number six because it's going to be very pivotal for the Penguins to end this series on home ice. We'll be back right after the break. What's going on, hockey fans? The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter the outcome. Whether they win or lose, you're a winner. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more, it's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Make sure to use promo code THBN and bet just $5 on any NHL team to win to get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THBN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, I cut you off at the end of that, Horwath. Did you have something else to say? No.
0: Nope, nothing else. Uh, Just because it was no other updates. I had a quote on Girardi, but it's just that he's making progress. No no more, no less.
1: Yep, no more, no less. Just status quo, same thing from Mike Sullivan, saying let's get this over with so I can get on a plane and get back to Pittsburgh. I don't know
0: why everyone thought was started. I mean, us included. I don't know why everyone was freaking out about, hey, he's talking earlier than normal today. He just had a flight to catch and had to get his daily press conference in. Moving along.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of us really... Usually I would think the Penguins would have fly, flew home last night after the game, but they chose to stay in New York, which is something that normally doesn't happen when it's playoffs. But nonetheless, it 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 was a nothing press conference, basically yep. no updates. And uh, that's perfectly fine because that means they're not as worried about Crosby to be able to be like, yeah, we we need to uh, definitely get him checked now. It's like, okay, we can wait until we get back to Pittsburgh for so our own physician's can see it. So it's not uh, life threatening, which with a guy with that injury history, you always have to have that in the back of your mind, uh, especially the amount of times he's been injured with head injuries and concussions in his career up to this point. Hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but let, let, let your face, um, let's move on and just talk about game six. Obviously the big question is going to be, can they win this game without Sidney cross? Because in my mind, I'm not sure after seeing that, the only way he would play is if they said, you know what? We're up three to one in the series. We're up two to nothing in the game. Sit out the rest of this one. We'll be cautious with you. But if, if it's anything more than that, he's probably not playing on Friday night. So Horwat, do you think they can win this game without Sidney Crosby in the in the lineup? So I do think it's possible. I do. He may have nine
0: points and, uh, and uh, he's six, five games played, which is ridiculous. Yeah but I do still think it's possible <clears throat> because of the things that we have seen from the rest of the team on home ice mm-hmm. against the same exact Rangers lineup plus a Lindgren. So be it. I think it's possible. It's just everything has to go right. That's the only thing. Everything mm-hmm. has to go right. Like, we need Malkin to be a good player and a smart player. We need the depth to show what they've, shown flashes of so far this this playoffs mm-hmm. we need louie or jari to be competent in that and we know jari will be louie needs to be a little more competent but again home ice he's going to gain that confidence back mm-hmm. and game six home ice we're gonna talk about the home ice a lot the home crowd my god get in igor's head in <laughs>
1: yeah yell at him during warm-ups if there's an igor chant during warm-ups that'd be insane
0: yell at him during warm do whatever it takes and i think it's possible i do think it's possible oh, yeah. it's it's going to be hard one it's going to be a hard one and game six might be the most stressful thing oh boy the most stressful first round game i've ever seen um but i'm all about it i just think there's something different about this series that makes it a little more stressful don't know what it is could be the last three years talking um but there's something that can happen here for sure. And add on the home crowd, add on all of the madness that has happened this series already. I think I think it's possible, but almost everything needs to go right.
1: Yeah, I have a couple things on that. First, with the, the whole question about Sidney Crosby, the 2017 Washington Capitals were a much better team than the 2022 New York Rangers. And if you remember in 2017, Matt Niskanen cross-checked Sidney Crosby in the head, he missed a game. The Penguins went out and I believe almost won that game. No, no, they did win game four. They lost game three in which Sid left in uh, overtime. And then they went out and they won game four without Sidney Crosby. So the Penguins were able to do it back in 2017. I understand the Penguins of 2017 were a much better team than the Penguins of 2022. But the thing is, the Penguins of 2017 were not as good as the capitals. They just upset them. The penguins of 2022, in my opinion right now are a better team, even with a third string goaltender, even without Sidney Crosby, than this New York Rangers team, the way they're playing. Part of that is because their head coach is an idiot. Oh yeah. Like Hunter said it yesterday. And to a point I I agree. I'm like, he has not done a really good job coaching the series, but last night emphasized that. He made no adjustments heading into game five and they won that game on the skill and talent and the luck of their young players in Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl, who are the only players on that team right now that have me any type of apprehensive. The problem with Gallant's coaching, you're going to play 11 forwards and seven defensemen. I get you're unsure of Lindgren because he was injured. And even at a point this game in game five, he was injured, and they didn't know if he was going to come back. I understand you're trying to ease him back in, but you're already going a man short on the forward side. Okay, that's fine, but they don't even play. Who was Brian the, the? No, 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 no. They played Reeves, the other they the did, seventh yeah. defenseman. The oh, guy, they didn't Braun? play him. Uh, it was not Braun. It was the other guy that Nemeth. Patrick oh. Nemeth did not have a single shift until Lindgren got into that scuffle and got injured. He was, sitting, he was riding the bench, so you're intentionally putting your team down. In an elimination game, two players, you're playing a forward down, and you have a full – the reason you're playing a forward down is so you had an extra defenseman. You didn't use your extra defenseman. It is the most idiotic thing I think I have ever seen.
0: Maybe the Rangers should uh, force him to take a taxi out of town. Here's the thing. Their previous coach wasn't much better. So, okay, also, is, is Gallant not line matching? He's not. How? How, man? Like, how are you going to play against? I mean, sure, he got hurt, but how are you going to play, Go into a, go into a matchup against Sidney Crosby on one line. Evgeny Malkin, just all in all of his Evgeny Malkin ness
1: mm-hmm.
0: on another line,
1: and not line match that how? pure narcissism. That that's what I truly think it is. Gallant really thinks that his forwards are a match. That Mika Zibanejad is a match for Sidney Crosby, and he's not. No. Has I'm waiting for I'm waiting for it to bite me in the butt but Mika Zibanejad has been a ghost. Artemi Panarin has two goals. One of them was a bank shot off of Mike Matheson. He's for the most part been a ghost. This is an issue because Gallant refuses to line match, refuses to get them any sort of good matchup. That's why I have faith in the Pittsburgh Penguins even without Sidney Crosby because you're giving Mike Sullivan now 2 days And home ice advantage, which means last change Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to beat a team that they have outperformed vastly in the majority of the five games already. That's why I have faith, even with Louis Domingue and all of his woes, even without Sidney Crosby. You add in a guy like Drew O'Connor, guess what? He's not Sidney Crosby. He's not. He's not going to score a goal. He might not even play more than five minutes. But in those five minutes, you know what he's going to do? He's going to play Sullivan's system. He's going to make it very difficult for the Rangers to do anything when he's on the ice. That's why I have faith in the Penguins, even without Crosby. Now, the question of how much further can they go if they win on Friday? They can't. They can't win another round. Nope. They can't win a full round without Crosby. If they do... I will come on this show and say I was, that was stupid. I was ignorant, but especially when you're going up against a team like either the Bruins or the Hurricanes, if you don't have Crosby for that series, it's not happening. I'll give them a 25% chance. And I feel like that's more than most without Crosby, but nonetheless, they can win on Friday. And that's the important part.
0: They can win on Friday. They can absolutely win on Friday. Mm -hmm. Sunday would be, heart-wrenching, awful regardless of yeah. uh, winning or losing on Friday, but I <sighs> do we know what time that game would be Sunday or are they waiting to see what happens? They're going to wait. They're going to oh, wait cuz I think we're 7:30 on Friday. First time this series
1: we're 7:30. I am working on Sunday, so uh even though I work from home, I would like to not have to have my attention split for that, but nonetheless, um we'll we shall see what happens with that. Obviously, I had in the in the rundown we'll talk about Jari and Raquel. No new updates on Tristan Jari and Ricard Raquel, but luckily Ricard Raquel is practicing in a full contact sweater. He's done it twice now, so he seems like he's on the mend. I don't know if that'll be enough for him to play on Friday, but also Tristan Jari joined the team on practice on Wednesday, even though it was a, a optional morning skate, but it was nice to him, of him to be able to be back there. And even Mike Sullivan said on Wednesday, that is a massive step for him to be joining the team again. Did Raquel Pratt take a regular practice? Because he took the
0: optional no. skate with that jersey on, and Sullivan said, yeah, that's just because there's no it was not a full,
1: It was not a full contact practice. He so, has not had one yet. But it's still an encouraging sign that he he came out back-to-back days with a full contact sweater on.
0: Uh, it is. It's just the way Sullivan almost basically debunked it. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's what I that said. Was, I, don't, I don't think he'll be ready for for Friday. If he yeah. is, it'll be – a lot of steps, especially considering we're not going to know today. Cause they're not going to take the ice at all today, but yeah, nonetheless, especially uh, since he
0: said status quo today. So
1: yeah, but nonetheless, the Penguins do have both of those guys very close uh, to returning to the ice with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So let's finish off this segment by giving a couple keys to win this game. For me, the biggest key is stay out of the penalty box. We saw it in game number five. Again, the Rangers were one for three on the power play and and similar to what uh zach said yesterday it was a lot of uh a lot of waiting for the time to run down i thought they did a decent job at clearing the puck yesterday better than they've done in the previous games but you can't get take penalties against this team because that is their bread and butter that is what's going to lose you the game if you continue to take penalties specifically a guy like evgeny malkin
0: oh yeah stay out of the box big names stay out of the box penalty killers stay out of the box yeah um and genuinely just don't take any penalties just because of how high-flying that power play can be. Even if you are on home ice, Mm -hmm. um, it's still not safe. I mean, hell, don't don't let them take penalties. You know how many times I've looked up and seen them, seen the Rangers racing down on us shorthanded? A lot. How about we don't let them take penalties either? Let's just play five-on-five because we're burning them in that category. Eight Mm -hmm. of Crosby's nine points were five-on-five. Yeah. That's disgusting. This he's so good, sure he's out, but there's still a possibility to win. And one of the keys is going to be staying out of the box, tightening up defensively, and getting a save, getting important saves, getting the mm-hmm. timely saves. They don't have to be hard, difficult, flashy saves. They can be the simple shot to the shot to the chest, but they have to be timely. I think that's gonna be the big part for whoever's in net, whether it is Louie or Jari, it's going to be Collecting the timely saves and making them smart, and not letting up the huge rebounds, and keeping uh, the def- their the Rangers' defense, who can't score on you at will, at bay as well. Um, and another part, if we're down, Crosby, we got to see the the good Gino. Got to yeah. see the good of Gani Malkin. I think there's a bunch of factors that go into this game, but uh, staying out of the box, getting the timely saves, and just seeing Gino do. I mean, he has five points, so I don't want to say do anything. Um, but despite five points, and that's just it's the crystal tang effect. He's got all these points, but damn, does he look bad sometimes?
1: He has scored in some of the big moments. He had those two assists last night, yep. which was very impressive. He had a massive triple overtime goal, and he also created his one assist was a creation of uh the game three winner to Danton heinen So he's yeah. doing it in the big moments, but with Crosby out, he needs to be doing it the entire game. And that's yep. the thing that I think you're trying to get at and I agree with it wholeheartedly. The last key that I have is if it is Deming, which I think we're, we're leaning towards, it's probably going to be Deming. But if it's Louis Domingue in net for game six, you need to insulate him like you did in game four. Play exactly like you did defensively in game four, and eventually you're going to score a goal. You just got to make sure that you don't lose the game. And the Penguins, if it's a war of attrition, which Mike Sullivan, his system lends towards it being that, if you make it a war of attrition, you will win against this team because this Rangers team is young. They are impatient. They will either take a stupid penalty or they'll have a defensive breakdown that'll give you an opportunity to take the lead. And Igor has just not been that guy this series. So if you can properly insulate the Ming like you did in game four, by the end of game six, we'll be seeing hockey handshakes. Yeah. Good Lord. Good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) At least we hope. Uh But. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, our shout outs and call outs to finish off the show. We'll be right back.
0: Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first round draft bust. We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have our shout-outs and call-outs, and you know what? I'm not going to belabor this fact. I'm calling out three specific New York Rangers. Jacob Truba, Mm -hmm. Igor Shosturkin, and Ryan Strome. Those are the only players on New York that I cannot stand at all. Everybody else, you know, specifically the kid line, I've enjoyed watching them. It's giving me anxiety attacks because of how good they are, and it's doing it against a team that I would like to see win. But the only three players that I can't stand, Truba, Shesterkin, and Stroh. Truba, he plays hard, and that's fine, and I like that. I think there's not enough players that play a physical style of hockey. I think there's still a place for that in the league. But his tendency to elbow people is dirty. Mm-hmm. and It might be a reaction, but that's a that's not good. You need to teach that out of that that player at that point because he's done it several times. He did it to Jujar Kara and sent him off on a stretcher earlier this season. And he did it to Gensel early in this game before doing it to, to Sidney Crosby, which has this entire series in flux. So yeah, I can't stand Jacob Truba because he can't understand how to keep his elbow tight to his body. Even Tom Wilson keeps his elbow tight to his body. Like a, a player that has been the poster child for Department of Player Safety Doesn't do shit that blatantly, obviously dirty. And that's saying something. Shesterkin, I don't like him because I think he's a whiny little bitch. Yeah. I said I need to stop swearing on this one, but I I really can't because these three guys just irritate me to that level. His whole flopping tactic started way before he ran into Carter. Oh, yeah. Several times in the first two games, specifically in that triple overtime game. There were three or four instances where he barely got touched and he said, oh, and it's annoying. It's frustrating to watch a game where a goaltender who has that much talent is that much of a cheap and cheating like flopping NBA player basically. I've seen I've seen less egregious flops on the freaking soccer pitch than what I've seen from Shasterkan in this series and it irritates me. He hasn't had it this postseason and I it, it must be a mental midget thing in that instance because when he's great he he's he's confident he, he's waving at people, but when he's bad he's flopping. Like he's playing over in La Liga or something like that. And then Strom, I don't know why. He hasn't done anything specifically, but he just seems like a trust fund child. I don't I don't know this man. I don't know his life. I don't know his circumstance. So I can't say anything personally, but he acts as if he's a trust fund child. He plays with a sense of entitlement that he gets from playing on a line with Artemi Panarin and Mika Chad. two players that are so vastly better than him that he thinks he's on that level. He's not. He is not that good of a player. And also the fact that he goes after players after the whistle, but in between the whistles, during play, he won't do a damn thing. He will not. You watch him play, he stays away from contact. He doesn't do a single thing. But the second that that whistle blows, the play is over, and there's somebody with their back turned to him, he's going to go up behind him, send them a cross check, face wash him, punch him in the face. He did it yesterday, and he gave the Penguins a power play. That sense of entitlement is just misplaced because I think he is such a a – what is the word I'm looking for? Oh, mediocre NHL player. But he has that entitlement because he plays with two superstars. And it irritates me. So those three players, everybody else in the Rangers, honestly, they're great. You know, I think Galant's an awful head coach. But Reeves, for what he does, he does it the right way. That kid La- Lafreniere has been – like, if it wasn't for how bad the officiating has been in this series on both ends – the yeah. story of the series for New York would be Alexi Lafreniere in his first playoffs. Yeah, actually looking like he, the way he should have. Extremely impressive. There's a reason that he was the third-line winger and the fourth-line center yesterday. It's because he's that, he's been that good. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, as much as I like Lafreniere and I like what Hedl's done and I like Kako's play and Adam Fox and, and Ke'Andre Miller, Truba, Shostarkin, and Strome. They're whiny little cry babies that really irritate me because of the things they do. Truba's elbows, Shesterkin's flopping and Strom seeming like a trust fund child. That's, that's my soapbox. I, I just needed to get that out.
0: That's so funny. I'm just going to laugh at that because there are no uh, friends in the playoffs. It's only enemies. Um, you can yeah. like other play, players and other teams all you want. I think John Miller is going to be a great player in this league. I think he already is. Yeah. Uh, but then I don't want to I don't want to talk good on anyone else on the rangers right now so I'm not going to mm-hmm. um you mentioned you were talking about Panarin Zibanejad, and Strom uh yeah overpaid overrated and
1: bad there I've summed it up for you overpaid I'm guessing yep. you're saying Panarin yep overrated I'm guessing you're saying Zibanejad. who will be overpaid next year and Strom who's technically all three uh,
0: yes how the hell is Ryan, how the hell is Strom making 4.5 million dollars
1: yeah. What well hell? entitlement because he plays on a good line and is okay. Literally. The the like Chris Kunitz effect. But uh do you have a call out Horvat or yeah. Yeah, and we can ease off of
0: the series a little bit because you said your uh shout out doesn't your shout out to the series? No all right then we can leave the series to rest it was a nice little talk we'll be back monday with more series talk i'm damn sure of it (laughs) but anyway i want to call i want to call out teams because this has been a thing recently and it's weird i want to call out any team that restricts ticket sales outside of their metro area yeah it's stupid the national predators did it again again so here's the thing with the national predators first of all you're bad secondly no one wants to go to your games anyway third of all what if i happen to be a nashville predators fan who lives in who are they playing colorado i happen to live in colorado or i had to move there for work other things and I, hey i have the weekend off i i have the i have the expendable funds to spend 200 dollars to go to nashville uh for a weekend oh no i can't go because they're restricting ticket sales to locals only yeah um That's really dumb and not good to... That's not a good way to grow your team, first of all. Like, Mm -hmm. you want to have outsiders in your arenas. In Nashville! In Nashville! Like, that's the other part. People go to Nashville just to vacation. Yeah. Uh, What if they want to have... Don't they have any from out of town and want to go to a game because they have nothing else going on that night? Or maybe that was the plan? I don't know. Dumb. Dumb. Your team sucks. Let people in. No one wants to go to the arena anyway. Trust me, if I was in Nashville right now, I'd, unless the penguins, unless literally the penguins were there, I wouldn't go to a Predators game. They're bad. There's so many other things to do in Nashville right now, mm-hmm. and uh, like it just hard, It just brought back the. I think it was the Lightning that did it, that they were letting outsiders buy their tickets, but they couldn't sit in TV view.
1: Because or they didn't they give them like back. a shirt or something to cover up? Yeah, which
0: also stupid, stupid, and yeah. enti- Talk about entitled. How entitled do you think you are? They did that before they won back-to-back cups. Yeah. I remember they did that before they had, they deserve to be a little entitled about themselves. Mm-hmm. Just stupid. Let your team grow. Don't do dumb shit like this. Like grow your team to be a national brand. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there are Leafs fans all over Canada or Rangers fans all over America? Cause they let the brand grow. Sure. They're massive markets, but yeah. they're not going to Madison square gardens, not going to stop a ticket sale, highly priced
1: ticket sale. Because you're from Minnesota. Like, they're not going to do that. And here's the thing. For this entire conversation, the answer is get better fans. And by get better fans, I mean grow your fan base. If you're that worried about the road team coming in and buying so many tickets (laughs) that on the national broadcast, it's like, wow, we don't have a home ice advantage, then you need to do a better job of growing your fan base. That's on you. And honestly... For example, it's never going to happen because it's Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh fans always are the predominant amount in their own stadium, except for maybe the Pirates. But again, it's very easy to outnumber Pirates fans, whatever. Uh, Nonetheless, if that were to happen and I look on national television to watch my team play and I see in the home arena, say it's the Penguins, I see a bunch of blue, I'm going to be incensed. And I'm going to be like, you know what? That makes me mad because... I've been a good fan of this team for a long time because they've done a really good job at building that fan base and building that connections with fans such as me. If you just do the restriction thing, that's telling your fans, hey, you can come around whenever you want. We'll have a spot for you. That's not... they Like, fans stick through teams through thick and thin. If you're not good enough to sell out your arena, then that's on you. Either... Either do a better job at building your fan base or move to a college arena like the Coyotes. Because I'm sure it will be all Coyotes fans in that 5,000 seat arena next year.
0: Hell no, it's not. It's still going to No, they're going to get college kids to go. Arizona
1: State's a similar color. So, I mean, has that little deep maroon? Just
0: embarrassing. You know, now you're getting me
1: mad about uh, Arizona. I almost said Phoenix (laughs) again. Again, I don't think we should. I don't think you're allowed to talk to the, about the Coyotes anymore because you you have no idea what they're called. I don't know what city they're in. <laughs> they're technically in Glendale. Oh, <laughs> but I'll start calling them the Winnipeg
0: Jets. Screw it.
1: Start calling them the Tempe Coyotes. But uh, let's move over to shoutouts because it's already a, about an hour long. And my shout is pretty pretty cut and dry. Fantastic performance from Carter Verhage the last two games. Oh man, for the Florida Panthers. Not only does he get a massive overtime winning goal in game four at the series. And it wasn't a fluke goal either. He absolutely snipe showed Ilya Samsonov great goal, which if they would have lost that game, they would have been down three to one. It's you're not coming back from that. Like that in that series, the way that they had played, it'd be such a hard, hard way to come back. Massive goal ties up the series, which sets the stage for him to have a five point game on Wednesday night take down the Washington Capitals. And now all of a sudden, because of basically Carter Verhage, they went from potentially being down three to one to leading three to two in the series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fun series up there. I haven't been able to watch too much of it, but just seeing the scores roll in and seeing mm-hmm. the Capitals look pretty decent, judging by some of the game scores. Uh,
1: man, except, that's... except for the last like two minutes of game four and the last half of game five, they've been very good. A ton of fun that's yeah. a fun series without without tom wilson which is a massive loss
0: that is huge because i mean who else is gonna you know send other send the opponents to the infirmary
1: well no one just, else is, no one else on that team's gonna do it well he also nah, i'm we're not i know what you're saying it but like he's a he's a very good player
0: yeah, specifically
1: know. in the playoffs he's very important to that team uh
0: sure we can leave it at that
1: <laughs> yeah so who who's your shout out we'll finish it off on that Oh man, I want
0: to shout out a uh, uh, penguin legend on a retirement, uh, Patrick Marlowe.
1: Yeah, officially <laughs> hanging up the skates after. A I year almost. I, sorry, go ahead.
0: After a year of not playing, I mean, mm-hmm. forty-two years old, you weren't going to find a team. Boyle did the same thing. I mean, he's not forty-two, but. But I don't but. think we were. I don't think we were looking in the Patrick Marlowe bin for a no, no, no for no, a PTO. No, no. Uh, no, no. Yeah, big shout out to eight-game penguin legend. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, who, right, he has the record for most games played ever, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the record he broke. So oh, mm-hmm. we're glad to be part of eight of those. Uh, without those eight, you pro- I forget what the record was. What he it. I don't
1: know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. But it's hilarious to think that like his eight games with the Penguins was vastly important to him breaking that record. Hey, you know what? I'll believe what I want to believe. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's funny because I was I saw that news and I was like, maybe I should write an article about Penguin legend Patrick Marlowe <laughs> retiring for for fan nation i was like i'm not writing that article
0: i did it for the hockey writers (laughs) whenever he broke the record i remember doing i looked back at all eight of the games because they were a
1: disaster yeah i did the same thing for my personal thing that nobody read but like at that point yeah i wrote i was like yeah i'm gonna write an article about penguins legend patrick marlowe so uh this time both of us were like no and then you saw that we won like two of them and went, oh, no thanks. Yeah, he scored one goal and that wasn't a loss. I think they
0: lost like six to two to the, the Hurricanes on one goal, list. one assist. Let me find the game logs because now I'm just curious. Ooh, that was the shutdown year, 1920.
1: Yeah, that was the year that they came back and we were like, ooh, Marlo Hornquist and who was the third line center? It was like Marlo Hornquist and somebody else. And we were like, yeah, that's a great third line. And they did <laughs> nothing against the Canadians, not a, not a, not a single thing.
0: Who wouldn't? A- Damn, who would have been our center that year? Um, yeah, those eight games were not good because L, L,
1: L, W, W, L, L, W. Oh, we won McCann. three of them. Yeah, it was McCann, by the way. Oh, that's right, it was. Marlo McCann Hornquist. Ugh. Or no, Tanev or something like that. It was weird. It would not have been Tanev because he was at fourth
0: one. He was a – oh, how did he end up even? Damn, all right. Anyway. Big, big shout-out to the Hall of Fame career of Patrick Marlowe. That's why we're here. We're not here to badmouth him. What are we doing?
1: Yeah, great career. No 1,700
0: games is incredible. It breaks. It broke a Gordy Howell record for God's sakes. The guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame easy. And uh,
1: you know what? Good on him. Three the points be-
0: shy of 1,200, by the way. Oh. Yeah.
1: The best ability is availability, and Patrick Marlowe – emphasized that to the greatest extent, for sure. I think we were just uh, in a little bit of a salty mood, Horwat, today. So I, I think there's a little bit of that, a dash of that and everything we talked about. Yeah, that'll do. I
0: just...
1: yeah. Nonetheless, that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. We will be back on Monday discussing the end of this series, because the series will be over Regardless, by the next yeah. time, uh, by the next time we come to you. We'll see if we're talking about round two with the Penguins or we're talking about uh, the start of a very, very, very fun off season. Yeah, it would be a very bad, what is it, in memoriam? Is that what yes. it's called? Yeah, it would be a bad in memoriam there. So we'll see how the series ends this weekend and we'll be back on Monday to break down all the action. See you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Pens fans. We'll see what happens. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwatt 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from. So please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.